grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Transfiguration Sunday, and being Transfiguration Sunday, it fits perfectly um, ending the Epiphany season, and next week, uh, in fact, this coming Wednesday, starting the Lenten season with Ash Wednesday. So next Sunday is the first Sunday in Lent, and sandwiched between those two seasons of the church here is this beautiful transfiguration as Jesus shined in all his glory before Peter, James, and John. What does that mean for us today? These are the words that we will be considering as we consider that text. What does this mean for us today? Our first lesson for this last Sunday after Epiphany, also Transfiguration Sunday, is found recorded in the book of Exodus chapter 24, beginning at verse 9. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They saw the God of Israel. Under his feet they saw what looked like a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky. The Lord did not lay his hand on the dignitaries of the people of Israel. They gazed at God, and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, wait there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commands that I have written so that you can teach them. Moses set out with his assistant Joshua and went up onto the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Look, here are Aaron and Hur. They will be with you. Whoever is involved in a dispute can go to them. Moses went up onto the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered the mountain for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses out of the middle of the cloud. The appearance of the glory of the Lord looked like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered into the middle of the cloud and climbed up the mountain. Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at the 16th verse. St. Peter writes, To be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice which came out of the heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word. You do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Since we know this above all else, 
No prophecy of scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is found recorded in the gospel of Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His face was shining like the sun. His clothing became as white as the light. Just then Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. Just then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus approached and as he touched them, he said, Get up and do not be afraid. When they opened their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Glory, praise be to you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His face was shining like the sun. His clothing became as white as the light. Just then, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. Just then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus approached and as he touched them, he said, Get up and do not be afraid. When they opened their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, and once again, heirs of everlasting life. Over the years, I'm hearing more and more people say that they quit watching the news. It's all bad anyway, and, and it drives you crazy, and you get too stressed out, so they have decided no more watching the news. And so when you go and tell them that something has happened, they don't care. I'm not watching the news. Even though I have not taken on that kind of philosophy, I can certainly sympathize with the frustration that people can easily have in the world. I mean, we hear of spy balloons, and, and then we got train wrecks, and now we're hearing that there's at least thousands of those a year. 
And then, and then, of course, we're hearing about, uh, you know, the 401ks and the stock market and, and inflation and we're paying higher gas prices and eggs are through the roof and, and, and politically, oh, you could probably pull your hair out. To, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you find yourself on. Oh, politics these days is just nuts. It's crazy. And then again, what's going on in the world, the immorality, the ungodliness, the wickedness that goes on, people who lie, cheat, and steal and don't care, people thinking that they're entitled and, and if they take it from you, well, that's your problem. In fact, it's probably your fault. Yeah, don't even want to watch the news anymore. So as I was preparing for this text, I couldn't help but think, what do you think was going on at the time when Jesus transfigured himself? What was going on in the world? Oh, if I was a betting man, I would easily put money down on the fact that they had political problems. People hated the government. Oh, they were paying too much in taxes. Oh, trying to struggle to make ends meet. Food is going through the roof. Probably paying too much for eggs. And, and you could go on and on that all the things we find ourselves grumbling about, people were grumbling about those things then. And yet, in the light of all that was happening in the world, people lie, cheating, and stealing, and the immoralities, and, and the wickedness, and, and the way people treat their fellow mankind, here's this simple event of Jesus transfiguring himself in all his glory. You would think that, people, you need to know this. And at first, Jesus didn't even reveal it to that many people. It was just to Peter, James, and John. The other apostles, the other disciples weren't taken up on the mountain to see him. Jesus even commanded them on the way down, not to tell anyone, but he didn't say that to them them that they were never to tell anyone forever. They were simply not to tell anyone until Christ Jesus rose from the dead. After he paid for the sins of the world and the proof being his resurrection. Then the message was to be proclaimed of who Jesus really is. Now Jesus had his reasons certainly to say this and, and to give such a warning. But we are not under that warning anymore. Even Peter himself wrote about it in his last letter of Second Peter. He spoke of it, and he spoke of it in connection with this is the Jesus that we're preaching. This, this whole thing about Jesus, even his transfiguration, that's not based on fantasy and fairy tales. This is based on eyewitness accounts. He saw it with his own eyes. He's confessing the truth about Jesus. And we do the same as we cling to these beautiful words that are before us in the light of maybe the insanity and madness that goes on in the world around us. Everything that happened at his transfiguration took place after six days. It was about a week ago that Jesus had began to tell his disciples that he was on his way to Jerusalem. He's about nine months away from 
going to Jerusalem. But step by step, he's preparing the disciples, and he begins to tell them something that he's going to tell them several more times. He's going to tell them how he's going to be handed over, and he's going to be, you know, put to death, and he's going to suffer and die in Jerusalem. Peter did not like it. In fact, speaking in behalf of the other apostles, he condemned Jesus. He rebuked him for talking about his suffering and death. And Jesus ended up rebuking Peter. Recall the words. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now it's a week later, and Jesus is going to show Peter, James, and John what it really means that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. He takes them up a mountain, a high mountain. We're not told which one. Well, there's all kinds of speculations. And it's kind of interesting on the pros and cons as people debate, was it Mount Tamor? Was it Mount Hermon? Or was it just another mountain which we haven't given an educated guess to? The truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter. Because God doesn't make a big deal out of which mountain. What he makes a big deal out of is what took place on that mountain. And what took place was Jesus transfigured himself in all his glory. The word transfigured here is actually where we get our English word metamorphosis. That's, that's a term we use to describe a caterpillar turning into a butterfly or a tadpole turning into a frog. Now, obviously, Jesus is not turning into a butterfly and frog here. And that's why the word transfiguration is, is really describing even better than the word metamorphosis. It means the same. But it was his figure that was changing. His essence was still there, and, and his humanity was still there, and his divinity is being seen and revealed. In fact, we're told that his face was shining like the sun, and his clothing became as white as the light. So don't think of Jesus like he was just some light fairy, but rather Jesus is revealing his full glory. He is the Son of God, and he is the Son of Man. And this is important for the disciples to hear. This is important for you and I to take the heart that this very Jesus is the one. Think of two words in order to understand everything that is happening here. Think of the word humiliation and think of the word exaltation. Humiliation is a word that's used by theologians to describe Jesus' state of not making full and constant use of his divine power and glory. Exaltation is the word that's used of Jesus making full use of his divine power and glory. And this helps us to understand how can the very God himself, who cannot die, end up dying and paying for our sins on the cross. The very sins that you and I have committed. The very sins that you and I have inherited. The very sins that is worthy of our death because the punishment of sin is death. And yet, our Lord 
our very God would suffer and die to pay for those sins on our behalf and save us? His invitation is to believe it, and through faith in him we are saved? In fact, only through faith in him are we really saved. So he did not make full and constant use of his divine power and glory when he had to face the cross, when he took on the sins of the world. It doesn't mean that he gave them up, as some like to claim, because obviously here he's now using them, and it's being seen. By the way, his exaltation, where he does make full use of it, Help, helps explain why Jesus would go into a locked room and appear and yet eat boiled fish and show them his hands and his wounds. See, his humiliation was, is what he had to go under in order to pay for our sins to be our redeemer. But his exaltation is the proof that those sins are paid in full, that heaven is our home, that there is life after death. And above all, it proves, like all miracles, that Jesus is the Son of God. And therefore... Once again, I've said this before, and I will say it again and again. Jesus is not one Savior among many. He's the only one. And any who reject the truth about Jesus is rejecting their salvation and the one who paid for their sins in full. God invites us to believe it, and even that's a gift of God. And so all glory be to Jesus, the Son of God, and son of man. So when Peter says, it is good for us to be here, we would have to agree with Peter. It is good for us to be here too. And not only to see Jesus shining in his glory, but also to see the two witnesses, the Old Testament prophets. All of a sudden there appeared Moses and Elijah. Why those two? Do not know. We're not told. But they certainly re represent all of the prophets of old who testified of the Savior to come and the Christ and the Messiah. You have Moses, who is the great lawgiver. He was the one that handled and, and kept the two tablets of stone. He was the one who led the people of Israel, called by God himself to do so, out of Egypt and taking them to the land of Canaan as God promised. And then there was Elijah, who was known as the great reformer. He was the one that got to go to heaven without even facing death, taken up in that fiery chariot to the glories of heaven. Only two people are mentioned of never seeing death, and Elijah is one of them. And now Elijah is standing with Moses. And what are they doing? They're talking. We're not told about what, but we do know in the Gospel of Luke that more specifically they were talking about his departure, about Jesus leaving this Mount of Glory. He couldn't remain in glory. So when Peter said, let's set up three shelters because it is good for us to be here, Peter didn't know what he was really talking about. Jesus couldn't remain in this glorious state. 
if he was going to pay for the sins of the world. He had to leave this mount of glory and face that mountain of shame, as we just saw, in order to save the world from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. They talked about his exodus that he was prepared to face and did. In fact, when we see these Old Testament witnesses of Moses and Elijah, we're reminded of the fact that the Old Testament believers did not have one way to be saved. And since we're New Testament believers, we have a different way of being saved. They all looked to Jesus. They all spoke about Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that was promised. And he is the Son of God that came, taking on human flesh. This is Jesus. And we, just like the Old Testament believers, we too also look forward. They were looking forward to a Savior to come. We know he has come, but we still do look forward because we look forward to his second coming. When he will come on the last day as the King of kings and Lord of lords to take all believers to the glories of heaven. Yes, it is good for us to be here and to hear these precious and beautiful words. But if you're still not convinced who Jesus is, then not only look with your eyes, but listen with your ears. A cloud enveloped them, overshadowed them, and then there was a voice from the cloud. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my son. We've heard these words before. We heard these words from the voice that came from heaven when Jesus walked out of the water after his baptism. We heard the words that this is my son. This is the son of God coming from God the Father himself. There is no more doubt. There is no more wondering. And to hear that the Father is well pleased is the best news for us. Because if he was not pleased with him, then he couldn't be our Savior. Everything he was doing was in keeping with the plan for salvation. And the plan was fulfilled. And Jesus paid it in full. And now comes the Holy Command. One of the most beautiful invitations. Listening doesn't mean just hearing. We certainly do hear it, don't we? We hear the preaching of it, and, and then with, to a certain extent, as we read the Holy Word, knowing that this is God's Word that centers in Christ Jesus, you know, with our eyes we are hearing and, and listening and learning. But listening is more than just hearing. It's also obeying, taking to heart what it says. We don't follow it because we're trying to earn heaven. We follow it out of love for the one who won for us heaven. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And one of the most beautiful things that God has given us and one of the greatest privileges that we've been showered with is not only to listen to him by obeying him with a believing heart, but obeying him with a believing heart 
that shares this word with others. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of living your life to the glory of the Lord and using your lips to share that. And one of the most beautiful places any of us can start is always with our own family. Even grandparents sharing the glory of Christ and how he shined in all his glory to their grandchildren who will be the next generation. Possibly. Unless the Lord comes in his glory on the last day. Continue to share. Continue to proclaim. And continue to take to heart. And even though we get frustrated with the news around us and we're convinced I'm not going to listen to it anymore. Oh, I pray we never, ever fall into the temptation of treating God's word the greatest news of all. That we ever shut that out and say, I don't want to hear it anymore. Because the message of Christ and Jesus shining in all his glory is a message that we cannot live without. And it is truly the greatest news of all as we travel in this world. Yes, Jesus is the Savior because he is the Son of God. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N dot O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.